One of the reasons we, sorry, I was so touched by your, your, the thought of our Christian brothers and sisters dying for Christ in the 21st century. That how does this still happen? One of the reasons that we thought this would be a good Sunday to start that uh, prayer every week, praying for another group. And this week, we encourage you, every single day, pray for the church in Nigeria. Pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. But today, we study about, and we're looking at, the message from Peter that led to the first arrest of Christians in the book of Acts. When the Holy Spirit came and it empowered the church and they began to proclaim Jesus Christ, it came with such power. The first day, 3,000 people became believers, but every single day there's new believers being added to the church. And last week, John shared about, or Pastor John <laughs> I'm not so good at putting the pastor word in there. <laughs> pastor John had shared about the miraculous healing of the lame man that was sitting by the gate. And all the people that began to just stand around and wonder what's going on. And last week, there was no way to miss the main point of John's message. The transformation. You need the transformation of Jesus Christ in your life. While we were focusing or started with the physical transformation that the guy in, uh, experienced, you need the spiritual transformation as well. Now, I had a professor at Laterno University that used to divide miracles into a miracles, which were the really spectacular ones, the C miracles, or the B miracles, which maybe not quite as spectacular as the A miracles, and then he had the C miracles, and he made the statement one day, he said, I've never experienced an A miracle. I couldn't wait till after class, because I came up to him and said, I've experienced an A miracle. Really? Kind of raised his eyebrows, and um, he had an underbite. I can't show you because of the mask. His kids said that uh, even when he smiled, he looked like a piranha. Cause <laughs> and he gives me a kind of a half smile, half big eyed. Um, what is this a miracle? And I said, I have been transformed. From a dead person to a living. I will tell you, the A miracle, the greatest miracle God ever performs, is when a person who is dead in their trespasses and sin is made alive. You are literally, literally go from dead to alive. You go from eternal death to eternal life. That is the A miracle. 
And while John was sharing about, yes, this guy had a physical transformation, you need that spiritual transformation even more. Because that is talking about the eternal life and the eternal death, not just life here on this earth. John also pointed out that it was for God's glory that was the reason the man went running, jumping into the temple, glorifying God. The miracle happened so that God would be glorified. Something else, it also opened up the opportunity for proclamation. Where Peter began to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And this, uh, this week, we're going to look at the content of that message after that radical change in that man's life. So if you open your Bibles, whether it's electronically or on paper, to Acts chapter 3, we're going to start reading at verse 11. Acts chapter 3, verse 11. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. The faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, and thus fulfilled. Excuse me, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed to you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to the prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel to those who came after him also proclaimed these days. 
You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring, all the families of the earth shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. As they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you. You are a God that still transforms. This message that you sent, help us to take it to heart and to live out the transformed life. Also, Father, we just ask that you will guide us and lead us this morning. Speak to each heart. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm about to feel like um, just can't get enough air through the mask. Uh, it's one of those things that's, which, that it's one of the things you deal with. I'm like, oh man, I hate this thing. But you know what? I don't go to church on Sunday morning and have to worry about a suicide bomber. I don't have to go to church and wonder, are my kids going to be kidnapped today because I'm proclaiming the gospel? So you know what? This little white thing on the front of my face is nothing compared to what so many suffer and so many deal with. Let us not lose sight of what is most important. That is the message that is not hindered by any illness. The message that is not hindered by any persecution. In fact, the persecuted church grows the fastest. Nigeria is seeing it. Looking back to that first time in which the people got arrested, John's going to pick up next week and actually talk about the arrest and the results there. We're just going to go through the end of chapter 3 and the content of Peter's message when all the people are standing around staring at him. Now, if you had known this guy, he had been out there year after year after year. He begged. That was the only way he had to get money was to sit in front of that temple and ask. He's a beggar. He's a lame beggar. And when he asked for money, Peter and John said, we don't have any. Sorry, <laughs> we don't have any money, but what we've got, we give to you. Rise up and walk. And he goes leaping into the temple. Of course, the people stared. What would you do if you had just seen this? What would you do if you saw this guy 
10 minutes ago, he was sitting in front of the temple. You're in the temple praying, and here's this guy jumping around. You're going to stare, and you're going to ask, what in the world is going on? What is happening? I'm sure all the people are going, no, that can't be him. I just saw him. He's out in front of the gate, and there's nothing about somebody else saying, yeah, that is him. You know the relation. You know how that happens in the church. Anytime you have a crowd, they're talking about what's happening. And they're staring at Peter and John. So Peter, being a preacher, he's got a crowd. So what does he do? He begins right what they're talking about. He starts where they are. They're astounded. They're wondering what's happening. I know one, uh, um, one pastor or preacher that we used to have, he said, one of the things we need to do is join the conversation. That's what Peter does. Everybody's standing around. What's happening? They're wondering, how did this happen? So he gets right on there, and he says, and he tells them, it's not because of us. He is telling them it's because of Jesus. He starts where they are. They're totally astounded, and he bridges to preaching Jesus Christ. It is not human power that made the man walk. It's God's power. And which God made the change? He says, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Well, who are those guys? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That was the founder of their nation, their people, their race. He said, it's that God. It's the God of our forefathers glorified his servant Jesus whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted you and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead to this we are eyewitnesses he uses their religious belief, their heritage. It's the God of our fathers. It's the people you know about. It's the people you read about. It's the people you hear about at church when you go, well, okay, they used a synagogue or a temple. But he says, it's these guys, it's their God. It's the God of their fathers. He did this. Look at how quickly he gets to point out the error of the people. You delivered over. You denied the Holy One. You ask that a murderer be granted to you. You killed the author of life. There's one thing if we have to confront our sin but there's times we have to tell other people that, no, this is wrong. You did this. It was you. Now, I'm sure Peter 
probably felt a little guilty. He didn't throw his personal in there. It's like, and I denied him because Peter made the same mistake on the same night. Peter denied Christ. He didn't say the Christ I denied. He said, no, you, this is your part, your role. This is what you've done. You've made this mistake. He's confronting them. But he also points out that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He gets to the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without that, there is no Christian message. We do not have a God that just says, feel good. We have a God who gave his life. He died for us, and he rose again to bring us new life. We can never get away from that message. That is the Christian message. Right there. And Peter points out that he's an eyewitness to it. And he makes it clear in verse 16. And his name, by faith in his name, he has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this, the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Faith in Christ. This man was healed by faith in Christ. This man was made whole by faith in Christ. I got another question. Whose faith? You know, there's a lot of people in Christianity that want to say, all you have to do is believe. If you have enough faith, you will be healed. What did this man expect? He's asking for money. He's expecting money. Where's his faith in Jesus Christ? He's not praying for healing. He's not asking God to touch him. He's saying alms for the poor. And Peter reached out in faith. And Peter, in faith, took his hand. And Peter, in faith, lifted the man up. Whose faith? Peter had seen a lot greater miracles than that. He walked with Jesus. He had seen what Jesus had done. He knew what God could do. That same gate, how many times had Jesus himself seen that same man sitting there? Year after year, that man was sitting there. We have no record of Jesus ever speaking to him. But it came the time where Peter said, now's the time, and he reaches out and he grabs the man by the hand and lifts him up. It was faith in the name of Jesus Christ. And it was the faith that came through Jesus Christ. And God was working through Peter. He was working through his church to restore life to this man. There's a lot of times I wonder what is it and whose faith really makes the difference. Now last time I preached, I shared a mama strange story. <laughs> mama strange. 
was a wonderful woman of God. And we had an ice cream social after church one day. And we were in an old store. We had to set up the technology stuff, seats, everything. We couldn't even leave the folding chairs out in that place because it was on the bad side of town. Someone break the windows in and steal the stuff. We were in what had been a Safeway store, supermarket. And one day, one night after church, we're all back in the kitchen area, and I had gone out to the restroom. I'm walking back and hear Mama Strange's voice. Now, I can't do her voice justice. You know, the South African-American accent. I can't do it. I try. I don't do it. I don't mean anything disrespectful when I try, but you just got to hear Mama Strange. Brother Miller. Brother Miller, come here. The Lord, I went over, Mama Strange, what is it? The Lord told me to tell you to pray for me. Now, normally when I hear those words, Lord told me to tell you, I start to get worried. Because most of the time it's not from the Lord. I want to tell you something. I want to blame God for it, you know. <laughs> That's kind of the way most people do it. But now with Mama Strange, with Mama Strange said the Lord told me to tell you, listen up. <laughs> Thank you, Carolyn. That was it. You better listen. This woman walked with God. I said, what you need? And she said, my old hands got arthritis. They hurt so bad. I said, well, you want me to go get uh, the pastor? He said, no. The Lord told me to tell you to pray for me. And I took her hand and I prayed for her. And you know what I expected? Nothing. <laughs> you know, you pray for people and... You know God can do it, but do you really expect God to do something? And so I took her hand and I began to pray that God would heal that arthritis in her hand. And at the end of the prayer, I just kind of threw in as almost as an afterthought, Lord, let it be done to her according to her faith. I said, amen, and she said, thank you. She said, look at there. The swelling's done going down. Now, I know there's some people that think the Lord doesn't do miraculous healings nowadays. I can tell you, as an eyewitness, the swelling went down in front of my eyes. I saw it. I saw it. And whose faith was it? It sure wasn't mine. Mama Strange walked with God. And God answered her prayer. <laughs> I don't think it was mine. Years later, we saw her when she was in the hospital getting ready for surgery. And I'd shared about that last time. But there was something else. Mama Strange, I took that same hand and she goes, 
He said, I never hurt after that. Never. God totally healed it. The same hands were completely normal for a woman in her early 70s. It's just perfectly normal hands. She said she never, ever experienced the pain in her hands. And she looked at me. She said, you healed me. No, Mama Strange, it wasn't me. God healed you through your faith, not mine. I learned, I told you before, for those that know me, she's the woman who taught me what faith is. That's real faith. That's real faith. She expected God to answer. She knew. There was no doubt in her mind. Peter reached out in faith and God acted Peter was able to tell the people in verse 15 that he was a witness of the resurrection. But the people saw themselves. They were the witness of the miracle. They were the eyewitnesses to what God had done to that man. Now as far as that healing from Mama Strange... There were two eyewitnesses, her and me. <laughs> but there were many more standing there by that hospital bed when she gave testimony of what God had done. They were witnesses of what had happened. God had made a huge change in this man's life. And here was Jesus, the author of life, the Messiah they waited for, and they had killed them. Look at verse 17. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. God had foretold it. It didn't catch God by surprise that Jesus was crucified. He had predicted it. You can go all the way back. Genesis chapter 3. What was the prediction? That he would crush Satan's head, but Satan would bruise his heel. The, the prediction of the suffering came all the way back there. All the prophets. And it just led them to the question, well, what do you do? What do you do now? He foretold it. It happened. We acted in ignorance. What do we do? Verse 19. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Boy, where'd you hear that word before? Repent. Repent. That was the thing. He said, what? You acted in ignorance, but now repent of what you did. You didn't realize what was actually happening at that time. Now you do 
Repent, therefore, and turn from your sins. And what's going to happen to the sin when you do that? The sin is blotted out. Turn back. That sins are blotted out. They're done away with. They're covered up. They're gone. They're erased. And what else is going to happen? Not only is the sin gone, he says that the refreshing will come from the Lord. It's not just that you're going to get rid of all the sin. You're going to get rid of the guilt of there. No, he's going to send that blessing. He's going to send that refreshing to your souls. He even says he will send Christ to you that he may send the Christ appointed for you. He's going to send Jesus to you. You're going to experience Christ himself. The one that God foretold. You're going to experience him. You're going to get to know him. Who are the ones that had foretold of the coming of Christ? You know, Peter puts this right back in here. He's, he's almost working this circle. He started with the God of Abraham. He's gone all the way to the resurrection. Repent, therefore. And he's coming back around to their religious beliefs again, reiterating that God had foretold the coming of Christ. In verse 22, Moses said... The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. Moses was the greatest leader that Israel had ever experienced. He was the one that led them out of captivity. He didn't want to. God made him go back and do it. He was a very reluctant leader, but when he was in that position, God gave him and just blessed him and gave him that ability to lead the people out. But Moses was also the one that God spoke through to reveal his law and his rules for the people. He was the greatest leader they had known, and he was the law giver. And Jesus is the one of whom Moses foretold. We said, God's going to raise up a prophet like me. It's going to be somebody that's to lead the people out of captivity. And then he gives this message. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. Wow. Listen or be destroyed. That is what Moses said. Peter is standing before the people. They're all amazed. They're seeing God's work. And he says, listen or be destroyed. That's the message. Now, sometimes we're criticized for being too blunt. Uh, in English, we have a phrase, turn or burn. You either repent of your sin or you're going to burn in hell for all eternity. Uh, that, that's a reality. And sometimes we give it too bluntly so people reject how we say it. But Peter is making this a very blunt statement. Jesus is the one 
of whom Moses said, you will listen to him or you will be destroyed. There's no in-between. You listen to God or you don't. You listen to God's prophet or you don't. You listen to Jesus or you don't. Moses wasn't the only one who prophesied of the coming of, G of Christ. Verse 24, it says, And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. Samuel was the last of the judges and the first of the prophets. It was a transition time. Everybody knew who Samuel was. Samuel was the one who anointed Saul as king. Samuel was the one who anointed David as king. David was their greatest king. Everyone knew who he was. And Peter says, Samuel was talking about the coming of Christ. He said, every prophet, all the prophets have been proclaiming these days, they've been proclaiming Christ's coming from Genesis chapter 3, which was, we believe was written by Moses, all the way down through the coming of Christ, the prophets have been proclaiming this message. And he continues on. He doesn't stop there. He says, you are the sons of the prophets in the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham... And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Now, the message was cut off there. It was really, it was cut short because they came and arrested him. You know, when you're preaching and then someone comes in, they arrest you because you're preaching Jesus. I haven't experienced that. Some of you are from places where you know that that happens. You may have seen it happen. But look at what Peter was saying in those last few words before they got him stopped. He's coming back saying, this is the blessing from Abraham that it is through Jesus that all the blessings of the earth or all the families of the earth will be blessed. That he has raised up his servant and sent him. Why? To bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. This blessing is for all people, all the families of the earth. And the blessing is really turning from sin. Sin holds us captive. Sin leads to death. It is a blessing within itself by turning us from sin. We also know in the, the next chapter that many of those who heard the word believed. We don't know how large the whole church was, but at that point, just 5,000 men. It's just the men. They're not counting the ladies. We're not counting the kids that were too young to be counted in with the adults. It grew huge by those who believed. Now we come to the end. What about you? We know God had his plan that the Christ would die. 
he didn't just die for those apostles back then. He didn't die for just the church back in the first century. He died for you. He died for me. He came. He brought us guidance. He's a prophet that we need to obey. The question, will you listen or will you be destroyed? That is still a relevant question. Because the statement is still true. We either listen to Jesus Christ, and by listen I don't mean just hear words, but listen as in to obey. Like we would listen to our teacher or listen to our parents to do that which they tell us. And not listening brings destruction. Do you want to live in the blessing of God or do you want to experience His punishment? Now that sounds like a cruel, hard statement, but it's the truth. It's an either or. Do you want to live in His blessing or do you want to experience His his punishment. As we come to a close, do you want to turn to God to find blessing? That's the question that Peter was putting out to the people there. He said, Jesus is the one you either listen to or you're going to face destruction. He's the one that brings power. He's the one that brings healing. He's the one that brings transformation. Without him, that's going to be lacking in your life. And destruction's the end. Do you want to turn to God to find blessing?